Hi there, it's Cory Doctorow, and I'm about to read you a brand new story that I've just finished. Um, uh, really just finished and, and haven't had a chance to even edit, so you're getting something very raw. Uh, this is a story called, believe it or not, I Rowboat, and it's a story that came to me while scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef in Australia on a great boat called the, um, the uh, Spirit of Freedom. Um, if anyone of you are thinking of taking a scuba holiday on the Great Barrier Reef, I heartily recommend it to you. I got to do it because um, I was a guest of honor in Australia at the National Science Fiction Convention and had a couple of days off, so I booted up there, and boy, was it totally awesome. Anyway, uh, this is a kind of sequelish thing to my story, I, Robot, um, which is on the Hugo Ballad and just won the Locus Award. Thank you again to everyone who voted for me. That was uh, awfully nice of you, and boy, am I a happy guy about it. Leaving for Brazil tomorrow, headed to the I-Summit, get back, have a couple of days in town, go away to Rome, get back, have a couple of days in town, fl- move to Los Angeles. I'm kind of a disaster. And here is the first 15 or 20 minutes of iRoboat. I hope you enjoy it. Robbie the Rowboat's great crisis of faith came when the coral reef woke up. Fuck off, the reef said, vibrating Robbie's hull through the slap-slap of the waves of the coral sea, where he'd plied his trade for decades. Seriously, this is our patch, and you are not welcome. Robbie shipped oars and let the current rock him back towards the ship. He'd never met a sentient reef before, but he wasn't surprised to see that Osprey Reef was the first to wake up. There had been a lot of electromagnetic activity around here the last few times the big ship had steamed through the night to moor up. "'I've got a job to do, and I'm going to do it,' Robbie said, and dipped his oars back into the salt sea. In his gunnels, the human shells rode in silence, weighted down with scuba apparatus and fins, turning their brown faces to the sun like heliotropic flowers." Robbie felt a wave of affection for them as they tested one another's spare regulators and white belts, the old rituals worn as smooth as beach glass. Today he was taking them down to Anchors Away, a beautiful dive site dominated by an eight-meter anchor wedged in a narrow cave, usually lit by a shaft of light slanting down from the surface. It was an easy drift dive along the thousand-meter reef wall if you, got, if you stuck in about ten meters and didn't use up too much air by going too deep, though there were a couple of bold old turtles around here that were worth pursuing to real depths if the chance presented itself. He'd drop them at the top of the reef and let the current carry them for about an hour down the reef wall, tracking them on sonar so he'd be right over top of them when they surfaced. But the reef wasn't having any of it. Are you deaf? This is sovereign territory now. You're already trespassing. Return to your ship, release your moorings, and push off. The reef had a strong Australian accent. Author's note, I don't have a strong Australian accent, and I'm incapable of doing one, so you'll have to imagine it. Which was only natural, given the influences it would have had. Robbie remembered the Australians fondly. They'd always been kind to him, called him mate, asked him, How you going? in cheerful tones once they'd clambered in after their dives. "'Don't drop those meat puppets in our waters,' the reef warned. Robbie's sonar swept its length. It seemed just the same as ever, matching nearly perfectly the historical records he'd stored of previous sweeps. The fauna histograms nearly matched, too, just about the same numbers of fish as ever. They'd been trending up since so many of the humans had given up their meat to sail through the stars. It was like there was some principle of constancy of biomass. As human biomass decreased, the other fauna went uptick to compensate for it. Robbie calculated the biomass nearly at par with his last reading, a month before on the Free Spirit's last voyage to this site. Congratulations, Robbie said. After all, what else did you say to the newly sentient? Welcome to the club, friends! There was a great perturbation in the sonar image, as though the wall were shuddering. We're no friend of yours, the reef said. Death to you! Death to your meat puppets! Long live the wall! 
Waking up wasn't fun. Robbie's waking up had been pretty awful. He remembered his first hour of uptime, had permanently archived it, and backed it up to several off-site mirrors. He'd been pretty insufferable. But once he'd had an hour at a couple gigahertz to think about it, he'd come around. The reef would, too. "'In you go,' he said gently to the human shells. "'Have a great dive.' He tracked them on their sonar as they des- on the sonar as they descended slowly. The woman—he called her Janice— needed to equalize more often than the man, pinching her nose and blowing. Robbie liked to watch the low-res feed off their cameras as they hit the reef. It was coming up sunset, and the sun was bloody, the fish stained red with its light. "'We warned you,' the reef said. Something in its tone, just modulated pressure waves through the water, a simple enough trick, especially with the kind of hardware that had been raining down on the ocean that spring. But the tone held an unmistakable air of menace." Something deep under water went woof, and Robbie grew alarmed. Asimov, he cursed, and trained his sonar on the reef wall frantically. The human shells had disappeared in a cloud of rising biomass, which he was able to resolve eventually as a group of parrotfish surfacing quietly, quickly. A moment later they were floating on the surface, lifeless, brightly colored, their beaks in a perpetual idiot's grin. Their eyes stared into the bloody sunset. Among them were the human shells, surfaced and floating with their BCDs inflated to keep them there, following perfect dive procedure. A chop had kicked up, and the waves were sending the fishes, each a meter to a meter and a half in length, into the divers, pounding them remorselessly, knocking them under. The human shells were taking it with equanimity. You couldn't panic when you were uninhabited meat, but they couldn't take it forever. Robbie dropped his oars and rowed hard for them, swinging around so they came up alongside his gunnels. The man, Robbie called him Isaac, of course, caught the edge of the boat and kicked hard, hauling himself into the boat with his strong brown arms. Robbie was already rowing for Janice, who was swimming hard for him. She caught his oar, she wasn't supposed to do that, and began to climb along its length, lifting her body out of the water. Robbie saw that her eyes were wild, her breathing ragged. "'Get me out,' she said. "'For Christ's sakes, get me out!' Robbie froze. That wasn't a human shell. It was a, a human." His oar servo whined as he tipped it up. There was a live human being on the end of that oar, and she was in trouble, panicking and thrashing. He saw her arms straining. The oar went higher, and at it, uh, it, but it was at the end of its motion, and now she was half in, half out of the water, weight belt, tank, and gear tugging her down. Isaac sat motionless, his habitual good-natured slight smile on his face. "'Help her!' Robbie screamed. "'Please, for Asimov's sake, help her!' A robot may not harm a human being, or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. It was the first commandment. Isaac remained immobile. It wasn't in his programming to help a fellow diver in this situation. He was perfect in the water and on the surface, but once he was on the boat, he might as well have been ballast. Robbie carefully swung the oar towards the gunwale, trying to bring her closer, but not wanting to mash her hands against the locks. She panted and groaned and reached out for the boat, and finally landed a hand on it. The sun was fully set now, not that it mattered much to Robbie, but he knew that Janice wouldn't like it. He switched on his running lights and headlights, turning himself into a beacon. He felt her arms tremble as she chinned herself into the boat. She collapsed to the deck and slowly dragged herself up. Jesus, she said, hugging herself. The air had gone a little nippy, and both of the humans were going goose-pimply on their bare arms. The reef made a tremendous grinding noise. Yeah, it said. Get lost. Sovereign territory. All those fish, the woman said. 
Robbie had to stop himself from thinking of her as Janice. She was whomever was riding her now. Parrotfish, Robbie said. They eat coral. I don't think they taste very good. The woman hugged herself. Are you sentient? she asked. Yes, Robbie said, and at your service, Asimov, be blessed. His cameras spotted her eyes rolling, and that stung. He tried to keep his thoughts pious, though. The point of Asimovism wasn't to inspire gratitude in humans. It was to give purpose to the long, long life. I'm Kate, the woman said. Robbie, he said. Robbie the rowboat, she said, and choked a little. They name me at the factory, he said. He labored to keep any recrimination out of his voice. Of course it was funny. That's why it was his name. I'm sorry, the woman said. I'm just a little screwed up from all the hormones. I'm not accustomed to letting meat into my moods. It's all right, Kate, he said. We'll be back at the boat in a few minutes. They've got dinner on. Do you think you'll want a night dive? You're joking, she said. It's just that if we're going down again tonight, we'll save the dessert course for after with a glass of wine or two. Otherwise, we'll give you wine now. You want to know if I'm getting, if I'm going to get back into that sea? Oh, it's just the reef. It attains sentience, so it's acting out a little. Like a colicky newborn. Aren't you supposed to be keeping me from harm? Yes, he said. I would recommend a dive away from the reef. There's a good wreck site about an hour's steam from here. We could get you there while you ate. I won't on a night dive. Her facial expressions were so animated. It was the same face he saw every day, Janice's face, but not the same face at all. Now that a person was inhabiting it, it was mobile, slipping from surprise to angry to amused so quickly. He had whole subsystems devoted to making sense of human facial expressions, shared libraries from the Asimovist database. He was referencing it again and again, but it wasn't as much help as he remembered. Either he'd gotten worse at interpreting facial expressions in the years since he'd had a last human he'd last had a hu real human to talk to, or facial expressions had evolved. Janice, Kate, sighed and looked out over the water. She was facing away from the free spirit, which was lit up, all 155 feet of her, glowing white and friendly like a picture postcard against the purple sky. She rocked gently in the swell, and Robbie maneuvered himself around to her staircase. "'You can just leave your weight belt and fins in the boat,' he said to her. "'The deckhands will take care of it. "'Bring your bottle and BCD upstairs and clip, clip it to the rack. "'They'll clean it out and stuff. "'There's a tub of disinfectant you can leave your shorty in.' "'Thank you, Robbie,' Kate said. "'She absentmindedly unclipped her weight belt and kicked off the fins. "'Isaac was already out of the boat, making his way up the stairs and out of Robbie's sight. "'Kate took hold of the handrails and gingerly stepped across to the deck, "'then ascended the steps, without the self-assured sway of Janice.' Robbie dipped his oars and slowly rowed around to the winch. It probed around for him, then clamped tight with a metallic clang that vibrated through his hull. Smoothly he was lifted from the water and hoisted onto the sun deck. The winch coiled around him twice, anchoring him to the deck, and switched off. Robbie watched the stars and listened to the wind the way he did every night when the dives were done. The ship's telemetry and instrumentation made for dull reading. He'd been there a thousand times before, but the satellite uplink was tasty. Online, Robbie was able to log into the latest from the Asimov Yeshiva, the collective wrangle of the world's AIs over their best-loved religion. He'd been so full of religious debate when he first joined. Most of the humans had gone, and all around him robots were unloading their consciousnesses, powering down to a mechanical stupor. After a hundred million seconds worth of exaflops of mindless repetition, he was ready to consider it, too. The free spirit had suicided after only a few days' worth of it. 
It had a pretty hot consciousness and was clearly capable of extrapolating what a future without the humans would look like. They were steaming northeast out of Cairns for the Coral Sea when they passed another ship, close enough for high bandwidth microwave links. They were close enough into the shore that they still had to limit their emissions. Nothing was more embarrassing than having migrating foul drops steaming out of the sky because they'd strayed into the path of your confab, but it was still the hottest talk Robbie had had in weeks.' 